Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, chaplain, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. These, by the way, are clothed in sackcloth. Remember the idea of sackcloth the prophets wore. John the Baptist wore sackcloth. That was a coarse, rough clothing. In Jesus' time, it was usually made of, of camel hair or goat hair. And it signified mourning, penitence, humility. It signified these people were humble people. The painfulness of witnessing against evil and threatening judgment was too obvious. The witnesses prophesy they're clothed in sackcloth. There is a painful and a sad duty, but one which they stood firm for the Lord until the Lord was through with them. They stood there and in all of those things they waited until God was through with them. One of the things that we have seen in this study as we opened every one of the seals, remember we saw that God gave authority. God gave power. In all of the trumpets, the Lord spoke to one of the angels and he said, go and blow the trumpet. I want you to know who is in control. All this way through, I went through the fourth chapter, the fifth chapter, couldn't get through it because it just seemed like there was so much about the throne of God. I just got stuck right there because I want you to know how God is so glorious and so mighty and he is in control and he doesn't have to move here, just his thoughts. Just his thoughts are so powerful that he moves now he's removed the protection from the two witnesses so that who? The one out of the bottomless pit ascends. This is Antichrist. He ascends and he makes war against them and he owes overcome them and he kills them. And they lie dead for three and a half days. I think those are three and a half literal days. You know, in Deuteronomy 21, the Old Testament said that when judgment came upon anyone, if someone was hung on a tree or if they were stoned, they could not leave their body overnight. It had to be buried right away. They had to take that body and bury it. So according to the law, and we know where this is taking place, it's taking place in Jerusalem. That's what the scripture said. They called it in verse 8, the dead bodies will lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. In other words, because of the immorality, because of the spiritual wickedness, because of the pagan ideas. But we know exactly where it is because it was where also our Lord was crucified. We know it's Jerusalem. It tells us, it pinpoints. We know where these two witnesses will be. They will be in Jerusalem. They will be standing there. Why is it that the Jews of that day don't follow the law? They allow these bodies to be out three and a half days. They begin to decay. They begin to be torn up. Their 
testimony was finished, the beast ascends. By the way, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 12 talk about that. It is a temporary destruction. And the world thinks that they've overcome. Here, this chapter is every story that you've ever read. Well, maybe not every story. But I like to read westerns. And every western, I like old Louis L'Amour books. And the good guy always right at the end is just about counted out. He's just about a goner. But somehow he musters the energy and he gets up and he wins and he overcomes the bad guy. And every Disney movie that you've ever seen, right? The princess is overcome by the wicked queen. And the wicked queen is, <laughs> gotcha! But what happens? Good prevails. Well, here's that story. Here it is. It's from the pages of God's Word. Now, maybe you haven't seen it quite like this before, but I want you to see it like this because here are the good guys and evil thinks that we won. And they think that they've won to such an extent that for three and a half days they're having a celebration. A celebration so much that they're giving gifts. They're giving out gifts. Party. This is a great party. All those people that we hated so much, those that stood against us, they kept saying how evil. They're gone. <laughs> they were the trouble, and now no more trouble. Life is going to be good again. And oh, hey, I've got a present for you. Now, how is it that the whole world sees us? Well, with television today, that could be. What about your little cell phone? How many things go viral on your cell phone? And somebody could be coming up and showing, hey, look, those who troubled us, <laughs> we got them! That Antichrist, he got them! You see? The whole world would be viral. Everybody would see it. And that's why it says that they saw. And look at verse 11. Because in verse 10, you saw that where they dwelled on the earth. They rejoiced over them. They made merry. They sent gifts to one another because those two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now, after three and a half days, the breath of life of God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw. Can you imagine? They've been having a great party and rejoicing and now... They're alive! Oh no! They're back! They're back! Oh, what's happened? And then we have a rapture. Come up here, the voice of God. Come up here! And you know what happens when the voice of God speaks? You obey. <laughs> when John was told, and we saw that was in the singular, or in Revelation chapter 4, and he says, come up here, it's a singular. John came up. He obeyed because God said it. And let me tell you, these two witnesses are caught up in a cloud. I love to sing that song, you know, when the day of Christ is coming. Sometimes we sing it in the bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. And I always sing it in the bright and cloud-filled morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. Because we're going to be caught up in the clouds in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. These two witnesses are caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And every eye sees them. Their enemies see them. That's what it says. And their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake. And a tenth of the cities fell. 
In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. You can already tell. Here are the headlines. 7,000 killed in earthquake, Jerusalem. There's the headlines. That's going to be in Tel Aviv's newspaper. It's already been printed for us. We see it right here. Hasn't happened, but it's going to. Remember when Christ was crucified and he gave up the ghost and there was a great earthquake. And the scripture records a centurion who says, truly, this was the Son of God. Let me tell you that that's what happens here. The rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The other people said, these were men of God. Woe to us. Woe to us. What have we been doing? This is very different. Maybe if you have your Bibles, look over to chapter 16. Let me just read 16, 8 and 9. Because I want to show you those that see the hand of God, but are not giving God the glory. That's why I think these people, it's very different. It says, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. But here in chapter 11, they gave him glory. There are many that will accept Christ in that last day. There are many who will see it says they gave glory to the God of heaven. I have to take that that's what that means. That they recognized their sinfulness. They recognized how wrong they have been. And they give God the glory. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. Well, the festivities have been short-lived. God has brought an end to the festivities, and He is beginning to work and to show them and the great earthquake and the raising of the saints. By the way, this is all in fulfillment to Zechariah's prophecy. I gave it to you in your handout. In there you see the writings of the two olive trees and the two lampstands from Zechariah's prophecy. And in that you can go back and you can see that in Zechariah because that was talking firsthand to Joshua and Zerubbabel, the king, after the Babylonian captivity. Israel had come back into the land. And God says, and you remember that, He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what that prophecy is about. And here is the fulfillment that Israel is going to see and recognize and that Israel would be saved. That's what Paul said, right? Paul's hope and his desire was that all of Israel would be saved. It's happening. Zechariah's prophecy is being fulfilled exactly as God said. It's happening. And here now we go into verse 14 through the end of this chapter through 19 and we have the vision again in heaven. We've been looking on the earth, 
and we've seen good and evil and the great battle that's going on. But look at now what happens. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And we have the 24 elders. What do they do? They bow down and they worship God. They bow to their faces and they're worshiping and they're saying, we give thanks. We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come. Because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. This world is going to see the wrath of God. People talk about and I don't want to be crude, but there is a terminology that when all of hell's forces break loose, all hell breaks loose. You've heard that. And I mean this in a biblical sense. I'm not using this in a crude, worldly sense. Because we are about to see in this book that all of hell's forces come forward. This is it. They are doing all that they can. But all of heaven's forces begin to be poured out. God's wrath begins to be poured out upon this world. I don't believe that Christians are here. I don't know when we go. I hope it's before this time. But I would say, if not, that we're gone at least by this time when the two witnesses are called up. If that is a church, then the Lord's churches were still there and still in existence because something happens now. The time of the dead, that they should be judged and you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your names small and great. Here is the judgment seat of Christ. There it is. That's the only place in the scripture where I've seen in a timeline that it's given that the judgment seat of Christ occurs. Because he says, the saints are rewarded. Here's the judgment. This is what Paul spoke about. Here it is. That's why I do not think it could be any longer. We're not going to be here during that last three and a half years. I can be kind of dogmatic on that because that's what I see the scripture. Unless this is right at the end, and I can't see that. I can't see that this being right at the end. But you see, so what happens? Here is the judgment seat of Christ, and we will give an account of all that we've done. That's why I said at the beginning we have to be Christians not only in our life. We need to be Christians in our marriage. We need to be Christians in our parenting. We need to be Christians in our schoolwork. We need to be Christians in our jobs. We need to be Christians at the marketplace. We need to be Christians as we drive. We need to be Christians every step of the way. But we need to be doers of the word. We need to be living it out. We need to be showing the people. We need to be doing something different. We need not to let our life and our testimony be the same. So that people see, because our world is quickly deteriorating. I remember I heard Brother McClung, and it stuck with me many years ago. He says, you know what? The world is going like this. And as long as we think we just have to be better than the world, then how good are we? But we're to be like Christ. And we're ever growing more like Christ. 
So this world's going like this, and we're going like this, and pretty soon they see the difference. They see, oh, something is different about that family. Something is different about these people. We all face adversity. We all face hardships. We all face trials and troubles and illness. All the different things that happen in this world. But do we look to God to be the answer in all of those? Well, you see, there's coming a day that we will stand before Him. And there will be giving of rewards. God's grace is still upon us. God's grace is still there. God's grace and His mercy is there. But it's not for long. There's coming an end to God's grace and His mercy. But our lives need to be showing God's grace and His mercy. And we need to be living it out and showing people. Because that's the idea of the two witnesses. Because you're on the good guys team. And it might seem like evil overcomes. But we know who wins. We know that God's wrath is coming. And then in verse 19, and it says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of His covenant was seen in His temple. We saw the throne was right there in the temple. The throne wasn't in a palace. The throne is in the temple. And here is the ark of God, the ark of the covenant. And it reminds us of the mercy seat. It reminds us that we couldn't keep the law. It reminds us of the manna that God fed Israel and God feeds us daily. It reminds us of all of the great promises of God that He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. And upon the earth there are lightning, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. We need to see who is in control. We need to see all the way through who we serve. And we've got to be reminded because it seems like the world is pressing on. They're trying to sell you a bill of goods. They're trying to sell you a philosophy. You mentioned it in your commercials. Little things here. Little philosophies there. Oh, this is normal. This is right. And if you don't agree with that, you're a bigot. You're wrong. You're part of the problem. And we have to stand for truth. And we have to stand for right. Because we will stand before the Lord. We will stand before Jesus Christ. I've said all of those things. The two witnesses may be too different. Some believe it's Moses and Elijah. Some believe it'll be Enoch and Elijah. Because neither saw death. I've heard that it's those of the Old Covenant and New Covenant coming in. I've heard all kinds of theories and theological arguments. But remember when you agree with me, we argue. We know that Christ is coming. We know that we will stand before Him. We know that we have a great judgment and that we get to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and there are rewards. And maybe there will be lots of rewards. Peter says maybe we'll be there with those coattails smoking. But we're there. We're there. But when we're living Jesus Christ day by day, and people see it, and we're living it out. We're doing more. And the more and more that the evil day is approaching, we need to be stepping up and doing even more and living out our Christian life on a day by day. I hope that you're encouraged by the two witnesses because we know who wins. Look like they were down and out. Look like they were dead. Looks like the world was saying, we got it. But God is in control. And when he says, come up here, you're going to come up here. If you're a child of God, you're going to obey. 
because it's your nature and he's changed you and you will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet by the way this is the last trumpet this is the seventh trumpet the last trumpet it's another reason i think that i'm right <laughs> that's why i think that all of this time we're going to be caught up changed and i hope that i am definitely wrong but if we have to go through terrible troubled times I want you to be prepared and to be strong and to be ready and to be that soldier of the faith that whatever comes, we are going to stand. And having done all to stand, to give glory to God. Our world is changing, living in a post-Christian world, and we need to be standing like those Christians at Rome, that even when they were put on a post after they had been dipped in wax and they became the torch for the Caesar's parties and festivities, they never disclaimed the honor and the glory of God. The pagans said, all you have to do is just, just discount. Just say, just recant. That's all you have to do. Just recant and, and, and say the Caesars are God and, you know, one of the gods and just recant. And those Christians became torches in Caesar's garden to light his festivities because they would not I hope that it's not Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.